Welcome inside. This is the JSK Media Sports Podcast. It's that time of the week, the best time of the week. I'm Jonah Kligman. I'm alongside Sean Schball. This is the podcast where we hang out, talk sports, and are sure to play some games. I have one for you, Sean. It's kind of an easy one, but fun to think about anyway. All right, I'm excited. Stick around. We'll catch you up on the sports world and we'll give you some fun. And we're going to start today with Major League Baseball spring training is underway. And before we get into that, I want to take this time to talk about how much I love spring training. I love spring training. It might be, I feel like I say this every time, but it might be my favorite thing in sports. But I guess if you listen and you keep hearing me say this is my favorite thing in sports, you just realize how much I love sports. But the reason I love spring training so much is because you get the best of both worlds. You get baseball, which is happens to be my favorite sport, and you get the relaxed aspect of it because the games don't really count. I love nothing more. Well, I, I do love things more, but I really enjoy taking a spring training nap, having the spring training game on watching the first three innings, then as the starters come out, you kind of doze off and then you wake up in the ninth inning on the couch and see what's going on. But I love spring training. I love the lead up with the pitchers and catchers report and the videos and then the game start and who's going to play, who's going to pitch. And I love everything about it. It's unlike any other preseason. Yeah, I mean, it really is great. And obviously the games are not quite as entertaining as regular season games or even really playoff games, but I feel like just how relaxed everything is. And then also when you actually get to go, when both of us have been to Arizona for multiple different, multiple different years for spring training, you're so close to everything. Like the proximity from you to the players and you to the game feels so much closer than it does in the regular season, especially as Dodger fans when uh, Tuesday afternoon against the Pirates, there's 40,000 people there in a sold out stadium. You know, you never really have that close of a connection with the players in, you know, to the field as you do with spring training. And I think just that proximity is so much fun. That's such a great point. I'd tell anyone who loves baseball or anyone who really loves sports, if you have the opportunity to go to spring training, take it. And the Absolutely. truth of spring training, it's not about the games. You know, walk those backfields, look up online, look at the nooks and crannies. The games is just a cherry on top, but if you deep dive into spring training and see what you could do, you can see the best players up close training and interacting with each other, and I'm glad you brought that up, Sean. As of Saturday, every MLB team had played a spring training game, and Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, and J.D. Martinez were not signed. All five of those are Scott Boris clients. And Bellinger was signed, which we'll get into shortly. I do want to say that, but we're talking about that retroactive as of the end of Saturday. And these names, these are not nobodies. Bellinger, comeback player of the year last year. Snell, he's the reigning Cy Young. You throw in J.D. Martinez, Matt Chapman, those are team-changing guys. But there's some greed going on here. There's some business going on here. This is not good for baseball. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't make sense to me, especially on the surface, how these players aren't signed. These are very, very talented baseball players that would make immediate impacts to 
almost any team in the MLB. You know, I would say Cody Bellinger would start on almost every team in the MLB. Blake Snell is a rating Cy Young winner. J.D. Martinez was incredible for the Dodgers last year. We've seen what Matt Chapman can do. You know, these are really talented players, and it honestly doesn't make sense how they are going so long without being unsigned, un- how long they've been going unsigned. And it feels like even if there is something going on, you know, these teams want to win, and they make more money when they win, and I don't really understand why they wouldn't want to sign guys like Blake Snell or Cody Bellinger. I saw online someone joking, like, tell Scott Boris, here, we'll give you Let's call it $600 million for these five players here. And you divvy it up however you want just to get these guys signed. That'd be so interesting. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Anyway, Cody Bellinger was eventually signed. He agreed with the Cubs going back to Chicago on a three-year, $80 million deal. Sources said he was looking for a seven-year, $200 million type of deal. It looks like teams and myself are still suspicious of his 307 batting average, 356 on base percentage last year. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for this deal. He's, he grew up with the he grew up a came up in the league as a Dodger, so I'll always root for him. But just like these teams, I'm still sussed out of that year, and I'm not surprised that it is shocking to think that a player like Cody Bellinger who won Rookie of the Year in 2017, won MVP in 2019. The best deal he could get after another career year was a three-year $80 million deal when they've been handing out those $300 million ones like their Tic Tacs. Well, I just think the inconsistency that Cody Bellinger has had. You know, even he had that great 2017 rookie year, then 2018 was a down year. Then he came back up with 2019, and then he was down and down. And I feel like he's never really had that consistency. And if you're going to give someone a seven-year, $200 million deal, you're going to expect them to be consistently good for those seven years, especially when he's young. But I'm happy he's getting another opportunity. Like you said, coming up with the Dodger, we'll always root for him. And, you know, three years, he's still making a lot of money and gives him really the chance to prove himself for when this contract ends. If he can play well over these three years, he'll get that seven-year, $200 million or $300 million deal that he's looking for. The other thing with Bellinger, when he's bad... He's bad. When he's bad, it's three-pitch strikeout, ugly swings in the dirt. He's not moving guys over. So the ceiling with him is high, but when he's struggling, he's not helping the team at all. The floor is really low. Listen to this. Manuel Margot woke up today in the Dodgers lineup, ready to go to play the Rockies with the Dodgers. He gets scratched and probably sent on a plane to Florida not to yeah to Florida he gets traded to the Twins the Twins are out yeah, in Florida. Florida and then the Dodgers signed Kike Hernandez to a one year deal how do you like this deal but it's more so funny because there have been times where guys got traded at spring training and especially in Arizona where all the sites are closed it's either a 20 minute drive or there have been times where the teams are playing with each other and they just right. walk in you know, the, the back rooms of a of a spring training complex but he had to hit a five-hour plane ride over to Florida to be a Minnesota twin. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that the Dodgers traded for him just, what, a couple weeks ago? Acquired him a couple weeks ago and so quickly are trading him. But I think it's really opening that spot for Kike. And it's someone that they want to have back. And as Dodger fans really know how great of a clubhouse guy he is and that presence he has in the 
dugout day in and day out. And then also just his, um, he's such a utility player. No matter who is taking their off day or whatever it is, you could put Kike almost anywhere in the field. So I kind of like the acquisition. It's obviously not a guy that's going to be an everyday starter, but he's a good bench guy to have. I'm excited for Kike. He has over a 300 batting average in postseasons. Remember when he popped off with the Red Sox yeah. a couple years ago? Just went nuts. Yeah. He hit that home run in Game 7 back in 2020. He hit a home run off of Strasburg to make it 3-0 back in 2019, Game 5 of that NLDS. So he knows how to play in the postseason. Again, you talked about it. He adds that aura, adds that energy. Right? Manuel Margot came over with Tyler Glass now a couple months ago in that trade. And then I guess, Sean, if you go 0 for 6 in spring training for the Dodgers, they just trade you. Yeah, that's it. The bar's high. <laughs> the, short, the short leash. If you ask anyone, for the most part, the best part about college sports, it's storming the field in football, and it's court storming in basketball. But court storming can be dangerous. Duke's Kyle Filipowski was injured by a fan in the wake's court storming. He hurt his knee. You could look up the video. It's just about everywhere. Type in his name. You'll see the video. You could see an overhead slow-mo shot. Should the NCAA ban court storming? This is this is a tough one, Sean. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really torn on this because obviously we don't want players getting hurt. You know, that is the last thing we're looking for, and it's terrible for a player to get hurt within the actual field of play and during the games, but let alone in an after-the-game incident like this. But also, I think court storming is such an iconic piece of college basketball games and really is part of what makes college basketball so amazing and the energy that comes with it through the student section, especially in these big games, you know, when an unranked Wake Forest team is playing Duke, which is one of the greatest college franchises in basketball history and storming that court is such so iconic to the game and it's what you expect you go to these games and you expect oh if we pull off this upset we're going to storm the court so I think if they could find a way to make sure that you know all the players of the other team get off the court before letting them rush or something like that just try and communicate it so that you you know I saw it was like a 30 second barrier they have like the 30 second clock counting down on the jumbotron just to rush the other team's players off get them into the tunnel get them into the locker room and then you let the fans come onto court and celebrate with the players would allow kind of a best of both worlds but also these are you know 18 to 20 22 year olds college students so it's hard to really get everything to work out but I really don't want to see court storming gone in college basketball it's one of those things where in a perfect world, it's done safely. Yeah. And you can't ban it because, again, if you tell 18 to 22-year-olds not to do something, they're going to do, do it. Yeah. Right? I, was at the, I was at the big game last year, or I guess the year before when it was at Cal, and a famous thing is the card stunts they do, the, the Cal Rally Committee. And at halftime, you know, they tell you to put it up, and obviously no one does it. And then they say, don't throw the cards and of course all anyone does is throw the cards and I joke if they said nothing no one would throw the cards but by saying don't throw the cards they right. all want to do it the it same way the if you told them don't storm the court they're going to want to storm the court 
I like that idea of regulating it. Again, it's something really difficult to regulate. Yeah. Obviously, I'm in favor of that. I like that 30-second clock. But if there's, you know, you think about those March Madness buzzer beaters. You're, you're going to tell the fans, hey, they just hit this buzzer beater. Can you wait 30 seconds? That's not happening. That's the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's super hard to do, but I don't know. I think it's better just than- don't get hurt. Better than not banning it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just get off the court. Run off. All right, let's talk some NBA. Last Thursday, the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, led all NBA players in rebounds, led all NBA players in assists, and led all NBA players in field goal percentage. He's the first player ever to lead the NBA in all three categories on a day with at least 10 games. And with the help of that game Thursday, he is now the second player in NBA history to have at least 80 points, 50 rebounds, and 45 assists over a three-game span. The other one was Wilt Chamberlain from March 18th to 20th, all the way back in 1968. He is a special player to watch, but for a really different reason than the other greats. For you, what makes his play style so unique to the game, but also what makes it so unique to watch as a fan? Listen, Nicole Jokic is so special. The way he plays the game of basketball is incredible. And I think, you know, the first sign of someone doing something amazing is when the only other player in NBA history to do it is Wilt Chamberlain. Right? That shows just how amazing whatever they're doing is because it feels like nothing Wilt Chamberlain did made sense. But I, I think for me, what's so amazing about Jokic is his patience. And his ability to see the whole court at his own pace. You know, no matter who's guarding him, no matter what's happening, if it's, you know, the first minute of the game, if there's 10 seconds left to win the NBA Finals, he's just calm and going about the motions, knowing what he's going to do. There's no defense that's going to speed up his game. There's nothing that's going to happen that's going to make him change his pace. He's going to keep going and keep doing what he's doing. He's going to find the open guy. He's going to make the right move and... Just do whatever he can for his team to succeed. He he always makes the right play. It feels like when he has the ball, he never makes a mistake. He might miss a shot. He might pass it and they miss a shot. But there's never a mistake made. He always makes that right decision. So I think it's really just his, his patience and his ability to slow the game down. You know, so often in high-pressure moments, people tend to speed up. And, and that leads to mistakes when you're speeding up and you're going too fast. And if it, it feels like for Jokic, the bigger the moment gets, the slower the game moves for him. And everything around him is happening in slow motion. He can just dissect the defense, find what's open, and make the right play. Decision-making is always something that us in the sports media world talk about great players and slowing the game down. Another thing in all sports, really important, but I love the word you used in there, patience. Because patience is so important in real life, it's really hard in real life, and it's even harder in sports and in professional sports playing at such a fast pace. I love that word patience. I'm glad you brought that up. That's such a great way to describe his game. Now let's talk LeBron. This is, everything I'm about to read is just wild. I know I always read wacky stats, but this one's just really hard to wrap my head around. LeBron James has scored at least 10 points 
and now 1,200 straight NBA games. And LeBron's record is 334 games longer than the next longest such streak in NBA history with Michael Jordan at 866. To put this in perspective, here are some of the top players in the game, last game under 10 points. Luka on February 18th of this year, Steph February 7th this year, Jokic January 7th this year, Giannis February 2023, Joel Embiid May 13th 2021, KD April 18th 2021. LeBron's last game with less than 10 points, January 5th 2007. Nobody above was in the NBA yet, and Sean wasn't even one years old. <laughs> I mean, he's really at his own level. And I think the more you read off these stats in each different podcast, it just shows that he, he is the GOAT. The, the type, like his consistency for such a long amount of time has never been seen before in sports. It never has. I think the closest argument you can make is Tom Brady. But even when you look at Tom Brady, and Tom Brady is the greatest football player of all time, and he's an incredible quarterback. But a lot of the years Tom Brady won the Super Bowl, he had the number one defense in the NFL. He had debatably the greatest coach of all time. He had great weapons. LeBron doesn't need anyone. LeBron could be by himself on that court, and he is still unstoppable for 20 two years or whatever it is now and he shows no signs of slowing down you can look back at each stat each year he's never shown any signs of slowing down his greatness he evolves his game he changes based on his change in athleticism and whatever it is so that he can stay successful and that consistency is just amazing and what really for me makes LeBron the GOAT and looking at this stat, it's not like now he's just having 10-point games, 11-points games. Right. Yesterday in the Lakers' loss against the Suns, played 37 minutes, dropped 28 points. Yeah. He's going to be yeah, 40 in less than a year. And it's, yeah, like you said, it's not 10, 11-point games. It's 25, 30, 35-point games. Night in and night out. Just different. Just different. Let's get into our fun question. Going back to spring training. My favorite part of spring training, one of my favorite parts, there's so many favorite parts. It's the lawn. Every spring training site, the outfield, there's no seating. It's grass. I love sitting there out on the grass. I love watching TV, seeing people sit on the grass. It's really unique. Do you have a creative sports seating idea? Okay, so this one, this one's kind of futuristic and, okay, and more hypothetical because it's it's would definitely be expensive. But you know, thinking about the recent cold games in the NFL, and then thinking about Dodger games, those day games, if there was some sort of you know seats that were heated slash cooled, you know, it's not as much like the seating idea as in like the the grass, but something to kind of evolve the sports seating at arenas, you know. You're sitting at that 12 o'clock Sunday Dodger game and your seat gets cold. Think about how amazing that would be. Sean, let me break it to you. I think it's called your couch with air conditioning. 
Yes, but then you don't get to be at the game. You know, this is the then best you, of both Then you don't worlds. get to be at the game. I like where your head's at, Sean. I appreciate in the that. Future. In the, well, in the in the future, we won't even go to games. We'll wear Apple Vision Pros. Yeah, Apple Vision we Pro. Home we'll all be we're, sitting like we're at the game. Side. Yeah. Exactly. What's interesting about that, because that's coming soon. But yeah. like, are they going to make it more expensive to have VR courtside than VR, let's call it Loge or whatnot. Oh, you have to like buy your seats to the VR yeah. game? Like your subscription really to the game is more expensive. Right. That's really, I don't want to give anyone ideas there. Because <laughs> it, be, it should be the same price. I don't want to give anyone yeah. ideas. All right, you want to hear my answer? Let's hear it. All right. So the initial answer is, of course, like lounge chairs, like lazy boys. The issue with that, though, is it so much room. It takes up room and it becomes elitist, and then we're not going to be end up sitting in you know in the lazy boy chairs. So here's my second idea. This one's, I think, a pretty good idea. If you go to like a lecture hall in college, it's stadium seating, and it's close together. It's like being at a stadium, any stadium, but every seat has a desk that comes out on the side with some mechanism. You put that in the stadium, then you eat your food, you have a little table. Yeah. You're not spilling the ketchup on yourself or anything. No, and that, that that seems very plausible and very functional and not making having a table such a uppity way to do so. Yeah, I think I think honestly that's the most realistic idea we have. You think you could get behind I that? that could, I feel like that could be done. See the Clippers redesign with going to Intuit Dome next yeah. year? Yeah, the new logo, the new jerseys, everything. We'll start talking about that Dome soon, that arena. It's going to be crazy, and I'm sure it's, it's going to... crazy. It's going to have a lot of fun questions. For sure. Like, you order from your... There's all this crazy stuff. Yeah, and the whole, like, the wall that's, like, only allowed to be Clipper fans. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about there. We'll do some research. For sure. But you ready, you ready for game time? Let's hear it. Really simple. Really simple. Five guys with the most home runs since 2019. Since 2019. Judge? Judge is three. Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso, number one. Is Stanton? He was he hurt too much? Yeah, he is not on there at all. Yeah. Okay. Otani? Otani's five. So I have one, three, and five. Yeah, you need two and four. Okay. That's tough. It's not Mookie, is it? No, Mookie's seven. Okay. One, I would say you're going to be like, oh, I didn't think that. And another one you should get. Four you should get. Four? Well, I was thinking, is like Altuve on there? No. Okay. Who's four? Who's a big home run hitter? Am I? Am I he's like? A, is this like? He's a no, no. He's a lefty. He hits leadoff sometimes. He played in the World Series, not last year, but the year before. And I have to think about who's in the year World Series year before. 
<laughs> game within the game. Yeah, seriously. You're throwing, you're, now you're throwing me off more and more. Wait, a lefty who bats leadoff? Do you remember who was in the World Series? Not last year, but the year before? Was that... Wasn't it Astros? Who'd they play? Come on. Oh, my God. Don't worry. All right. It, they played the Phillies. Oh, is it Schwarber? Yeah, Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber. Interesting. Yeah, if you right. said Phillies, I would have guessed Bryce Harper first. But I guess he's been injured a lot, too. Yeah. All right. You guess two. Give me a section of the United States that his team is on. East. East. Okay. The South. Southeast? Uh-huh. Okay. Is it someone super random? No. Okay. He would have popped out, but he's a he's a home run hitter. God. In the Southeast? What's so like the Florida teams? Not a Florida team. No, not a Florida team. Oh, is it a it's not a Cunha. No, stick with the team. Matt Olson? Yes. Matt Olson? He's hit 177 home runs? runs in the last... You will never guess six, and the person who's six, if you date it back to 2018, is in the top five. You'll never guess. Give me a team, or like a section or something. I don't even know where to think. He's all, He was on the Mariners. The Mariners? You're the Mariners? I mean, it's not J-Rod... No. You want me to tell you? Yeah, who was it? Eugenio Suarez. What? He was number six? That's crazy. And if you date it back... One more year? If you date it back to 2018, he's in the top five. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Matt Fun Olsen's kind of right? surprising kinda, too. Kind of simple there. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Olsen's surprising too. Interesting. All right. Any, any, any last words here, Sean? No, it's kind of a, a boring couple of weeks in sports. Yeah, if you don't like basketball. Yeah. Soon enough, we'll have baseball and Can't wait. March Madness. Soon enough. Show, Shohei... Debut tomorrow. debut tomorrow and Yamamoto on Wednesday. That's exciting. I know what I'm doing during class. Seriously, me too. All right, you've been listening to the JSK Media Sports Podcast. Consider sharing our podcast with a friend to build up our JSK family and or give us a rating. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.